Welcome. We are so glad you're here. I want to welcome you tonight to Fight for Your Family. This is our final week with John and Sue Demers as they walk us through Cherish Your Spouse. So, so thankful you're here. John and Sue are here. Let me pray to invite the Lord in and we'll start. Oh, Father, we praise your name and we thank you so much for laughter and just a chance to be together and have a good time tonight. Thank you mostly for Jesus and his word. He is the, your living word, Jesus. And I thank you for your Bible that tonight we can open and look at marriages in the Bible to see what to do, what to not to do, and how to come to you. Lord, as we learn to cherish our spouse. Bless John and Sue tonight, Lord. Anoint them with your spirit. And I pray you give us a sweet time together. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We hope you welcome John and Sue for the last time this time. You know, living in the flesh and living in the spirit is a battle every day. God is doing a major work in your life there. Yeah, neat. <laughs> All right. Well, um, here we are in lesson four. Week four, we're already finishing up here. And uh, so we're going to have a little fun here. Let's, um, let's start. First of all, yeah, let me just thank Tim and Josiah. You know, we were living at the beach for three months, and we got a phone call asking us to, uh, to teach for four weeks. And uh, I just want to thank you and Josiah for, for, inviting, for us. inviting us. And uh, we, uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun. And, you know, if you know the two of us a little bit, we put the lesson together, but then we talk about it for a week. And there is a point where we can be talking about it on the way in. In fact, we were just up here a minute ago changing a yeah. few things. <laughs> Who's because say what? it's just amazing. It's just that, that it's been like this for 20 years doing yeah. this. Yeah. And uh, so we're kind of used to it. It's, but uh, anyway, it's been a lot of fun and uh, we've really enjoyed we've it. We've enjoyed it, yeah. Yeah. So let's start. What I'd like to do is kind of look back at what we've discussed over the last few weeks. Let's just take a second. But we talked about what, tru what it truly means to cherish uh, the person you marry. And the cherish is a verb, it's an action word. And we discussed, discussed how men should sacrificially love their wives more deeply like Christ loved the church, which is 1 Peter 3, 7. We described how women can honor their husbands by building them up rather than tearing them down in Proverbs 14, 1. Let me just scan down here a little bit. And then how women can influence their husbands not through words, but by through actions in 1 Peter 3, 1 through 6. And we learned that contempt will steal the joy from our marriages and keep us from being fulfilled by our spouses as God intends. And that's the story of David and Mikhail. You all remember David and Mikhail? You guys are all funny last week. I mean, it was, uh, it was a good time. I remember somebody in the class said, man, that couple's messed up. And, and, and they were. Sometimes we get messed up, though, don't we? Mm -hmm. Today we're going to see that no marriage is so far gone that it cannot flourish if we're willing to do it God's way. For all things are possible with God. Marriage is, and this is really an interesting thing, marriage is one of the most beautiful gifts that God has given us. So listen to this. It can, it can be a platform for tremendous safety as a couple, as well as a vessel which exposes our deepest seated sins. Because once you're in the house together, we see everything, right? Mm -hmm. And then, and it can be one of the best means to grow our faith in him. And that's what's so cool about with Sue and I, 
putting lessons together, discussing lessons, talking about topics, how we're going to change things. It can't get any better than that when you're, when you're going through your day talking about the Bible. I mean, that's basically what we've been doing. Yeah. And then we've got a lesson on Sunday, and uh, we're going through the same thing on that. So as we look throughout the Old, New, Old and New Testament, we see examples of marriages which, tonight, which highlight the good and broken qualities that emerge from two lives that are joined together, just like ours. From the very first marriage in the Garden of Eden to those which exist, exist today, no couple has existed devoid of mistakes, pain, and mutual hurt. However, the God who designed this human relationship is capable of taking even our pitfalls and weaving them into a beautiful story of mercy and love. And we're going to see that soon. Just look at Abraham and Sarah as an example of sticking together and seeking the things uh, above as they left everything behind to follow God. They messed up with Hagar and Ishmael, but prove to us that God's plan will ultimately prevail. Isn't that comforting? I mean, to know that um, God is sovereign, and even when we mess up, you know, he can still work it for, his, for our good. And uh, I mean, I think about there's so many. You just look at Isaac and, and um, Rebecca and how she deceived um, Isaac in the end. It actually got Jacob, you know, part of it to um, at the very end. And you wonder just how, how great their relationship was after Isaac found out about what she had done with Jacob. Or, um, or Jacob in, in his wise with um, wanting, loving Rachel and yet having to be stuck with Leah as well. You know, and poor Leah, you know, knowing that she was playing second choice to her sister. There's so many. Alcana, I thought about Alcana and Hannah, where Hannah was, you know, he couldn't understand Hannah. I mean, he loved her more than he loved his other wife. I think her name was Pinnell. Um, but Hannah wanted a baby, and he was like, well, aren't I good enough? I loved you. You know, he couldn't understand all of that. So, I mean, there's none. We can look through the whole Bible, and we will not find one perfect marriage um, in there. But we can find lessons and even encouragement from each. Um, to prove it, let's look at what we think is the worst example in all the Bible. Um, and see what we can learn from it. So let me ask you. Oh, no, you're going to ask. No, it's okay. Go ahead. Well, Go ahead. so what would you say? We're going to throw it out there. What would you say is the worst example of um, marriage in the Bible? There's no wrong answer. Close. But that's real close. Yeah, that's what we figured is the got to be that has got So that's to be exactly more. right. That's yeah. that's the one we picked. Hosea. Hosea God had told Hosea who was a prophet to go and marry a promiscuous um a woman. So you got to think right from the very beginning, my goodness, how many of you would want to go off and marry someone who know that you know is going to become un unfaithful? Mm. I mean, from the get -go. yeah, obviously there's a difference between getting married and then finding out later, right? But to know in advance, this is what you're going to be headed to, that's really an amazing thing. But he listened to God, all right? 
So we didn't want to go, um, we don't have the time tonight to go through their whole story um, together. So we're just going to kind of give you a little bit of a look uh, at it. All right, I'll start. Mm -hmm. So during the course of their marriage, she repeatedly commits adultery and even sells herself into prostitution. But God tells Hosea to purchase her back and restore their marriage. In Hosea 3.1, it says, The Lord said to me, Go, show your love to your wife again. Though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. Though they turn other, to other gods in love, their sacred raisin cakes. Now, I don't understand. I didn't understand what the raisin cake thing was. I kind of, you know, I understand the rest of the, the uh, scripture, but so I looked it up. So here you go. Some believe that the raisin cakes could be described as a metaphor for the worldly pleasures that the Israelites were pursuing instead of God. That was one thing. Another one, it also could be associated with pagan worship. But it was put in there for a reason. So to, they turned to other gods and their sacred raisin cakes. It could be anything that uh, you've put in front of the Lord. All right? Oh, yeah, okay. There you go. Thank cool. you. Thanks. So it was a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. So just as Hosea acts towards Goma, um, God will act towards his people, right? Yeah. So go ahead. And that's really the picture we wanted to show you here. Um, on, your, on your table, we, we um, had them print out um, Hosea chapter 2. And what I'd like you guys to do is underline every time you see, I will. And then circle every time you see, you or she will. Okay, basically the response. Um, so starting in verse 1. It's, okay, so wait a no, minute. So I will underline, you or she will circle. Right. Starting in verse 14. I will allure her. I will, I will, I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. There I will give her back her vineyards. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. There's three. Mm -hmm. And I will, I, and, and will make the valley of Acre a door of hope. There she will respond as in the days of her youth, as in the days she came up out of Egypt. In that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband. You will no longer call me my master. I will remove the names of the Baals from her lips. No longer will their names be invoked. In that day, I will make a covenant of them. From the beasts of the field, the birds of the sky, and the creatures that move along the ground, bow and the bow and sword in battle, I will abolish from the land, so that all may lie down in safety. I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice, in love and compassion. I will betroth you in faithfulness, and you will acknowledge the Lord. In that day, I will respond, declares the Lord. I will respond in, to the skies, and they will respond to the earth. And the earth will respond to the grain and the new wine and the olive oil. 
and they will respond to Jezreel. I will plant her to my, for myself in the land. I will show, her, show my love to the one I call not my loved one. I will say to those called not my people, you are my people. And they will say, you are my God. Gomer broke Hosea's heart. But because of it, she made it possible for him to give the world a picture of, of um, the divine love. Isn't it so precious when you think about how um, determined, I guess, would we say determined, mm. um, God was, you know, and um, with the relationship. When you think about it, um, he, allure, he allured us. He wooed us, you know, knowing that we were going to fail him, you know, and that I think is just so precious knowing that we were going to constantly, constantly fail him. You know, I think about your testimony there where, you know, you claimed at one point to know Christ, but then, you, you know, or your daughter, and then she realized, no, that wasn't the case. So. Mm. Neat. So let's break it down a little bit. All right, so I will allure. So you can go back to the top. Verse 14, God doesn't try to force his people to love him but woos them as the lover woos his beloved and seeks her hand in marriage. Secondly, I will give, in verse 15, the Lord changes the meaning of the, of the name, the valley of anchor, trouble to a door of hope, through which Israel would enter into a new life. And thirdly, verse 16 and 17, I will take away God declares an end to idolatry among his people and that the divine marriage relationship will be restored. Number four, verse 18, I will make a covenant. The reconciliation between Israel and God will extend to the animal kingdom, which has been hostile to man since the fall. And then verse 19 and 20, I will betroth. Among the wedding gifts will be everything that Israel has lacked during her years of separation from her husband, Jehovah God. In number six, verses 21 and 22, I will hear. These two verses describe conversation in which the Lord speaks to the heavens and to the earth as they respond to each other and bring blessing to God's people. In verse 23, I will plant her. The image is that of God sowing his people the way a farmer sows seeds. He says, thou art my people, and they respond, thou art my God. So do you see the determination that Sue just mentioned in these statements? What's it tell you about how God would have you behave towards your relationship to your wife? Or spouse. Or, or husband. Let's throw that question out. What you just see in that relationship what does it tell you about God and how you should behave? Anybody want to jump in on that? We had a pretty talkative class last week. Nobody? Well, 
when you look at the determination um, in the statements, right? I will hear. These two verses describe conversation which the Lord speaks to the heavens and the earth. How do you, when you look at that, with you and Tony? What, what is God yeah. expecting of us? What is he expecting of us? I mean, each one of these. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Look at, I will make a covenant. I will betroth. I will take away God declares to end idolatry. You know, how, how, how do we handle that as a couple? I mean, what, are, what, are, what is our focus? Is it the Lord or is it stuff? Yeah, but what is it really sometimes? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a, you know, I honestly have to admit that, you know, when we, John and I decided to get married, and of course nobody, we already shared with you that nobody was um, for our marriage. Um, his mom did not care for me. My dad did not care for um, John. And, um, and I was sitting there thinking, gee, are we really doing the right thing? You know, I was the, being the wishy-washy one, thinking, uh, having the second thoughts of just maybe, maybe um, this isn't a good thing. And I remember John coming to me and saying, we're going to be okay. And just his words, those words, it was, I can picture right now, we're standing in the driveway, John's parents' driveway, and he looked down at me and he said, we're going to be okay. And all I could say is, okay. And it was, I think it was, because here I was having my doubts, but he was so confident. And I, I tell everyone, he was the only one confident when we were walking down the aisle. But it was those words that he was just like these I will statements. We are going to be okay. I could trust that. And I could rest in those words. And I think that's what God expects from us is to be able to say we're not going to look at the circumstances. We're going to trust God. We're going to trust his word. We're going to be okay. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, when, you, when, you, when I look at the two of us and, uh, you know, when we did first get married, it was, you know, all my friends are saying it's not, you know, what are you doing? You know, yeah. that kind of thing. And uh, I was focused. I knew that this is a, this was, I saw her in my freshman year walking through the commons room at Nashua High School in New Hampshire. She walked through in her, in her freshman year and wa- watched her walk through and just said, that's the that's one. That's it. <laughs> and then I didn't meet her to our junior year. And uh, and spoke and spoke to her at a party, and uh, and we've been together ever since. You know, I mean, God, and be careful, parents. You know, when when your son or daughter comes home and says, "I really like this person," you know, or I'm attracted for whatever reason, this person, you really got to be looking at that because I know as parents, you kind of fight that off a little bit. Hey, you're only 16. You're only 18. We're not saying they're getting married. We're saying is there's an attraction there, and maybe it's from the Lord. You know, I mean, obviously we weren't saved, but God had a plan for us, right? So it's kind of, I know that our parents were both upset and all that stuff, but boy, I'll tell you, talk about eating crow later on in life. You yeah, know? They, I mean, they all later they really, came around and agreed that we were right. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, we got saved too. I mean, you got to re- remember, I mean, through all of that, I mean, Sue and I came to Christ in 83, and uh, we had been married for a little while, and uh, in the 70s we got married. And so in 83, um, we, uh, we got saved, and obviously that changed everything. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. when you look at it that way. You know, but when you look at it, 
Are couples, when they say their vows before God and others, as determined to keep them as God is to keep his towards us? I mean, think about that. I'll read it again. Are couples, when they say their vows before God, and I know Tim does a lot of weddings, right? In others, as, in, in others, as determined to keep them as God is to keep his towards us. Because we fail all the time, right? And yet he's right there by our side, you know? I just think we're living in a society right now that, you know, it's just an easy thing to do, you know? Now, understand there's reasons, and I'll go over them in a few minutes for divorce, and the Bible talks about that. But then there are other times where you just go through a spat. It's just something. I remember teaching 17 years ago on quiche. And I had, not, I had a couple, um, JT and Kristen Taylor. They were both on each side of the room. JT is reading the newspaper. Kristen walks in. The whole class is just like this. And Kristen walks in the room and walks over in the corner and makes believe she's on the phone. And he says, um, What's for dinner? And she says, quiche. And he says, again? <laughs> That's all it takes. That's all it takes. Just one little word like that, again. And then it starts. Quiche. Quiche. So uh, anyway, I mean, what we were trying to explain to the class is that it can just take that one little thing to flare a marriage up, all right? And just, and it goes crazy. So um, anyway, the story of Hosea is not prescribing, and this is important, that all couples stay married regardless of infidelity, all right? It's not saying that or neglect. There are other places in scripture that address biblical grounds for divorce. It is, however, pointing to the motivation behind our unconditional love for our spouses, all right? God's unbroken love for us because God loved us when we were unlovable, right? He took a guy that, let me tell you, that was just, let me just tell you that when I got married, I loved basketball. And I played in two different leagues and we had kids and I still played in two different leagues. And, and worked she, overtime. And worked seven days a week. I was a worker. I, I told Sue one day, I wish they could split me in half so I could do both my job. To, I didn't have enough people. I was a workaholic type A, straight on. And then I'm now a C plus. <laughs> Seriously, I am not a type A anymore. But, but what's interesting is, you know, I would just go like crazy, and then God got a hold of me. And really started, and maybe some of you are like that too. You got a lot of things going on with friends, doing things in your home when you're home. And that was me. That was me. And then God got a hold of me and said, you need to be home. All right? No more of this stuff. And, uh, and I listened, which is praise God for that. But... Amen. Yeah, you know, being stay, since I've retired, I've really come to grips with that, you know, being still and listening. And uh, 
I'm reading a book right now that's really uh, turned, turned my life upside down, and it's called The Spiritual Man by Watchman Nee. And um, it's the type of book when you read it, and if anyone wants to get that book, uh, guys or girls, go ahead, get it. And, uh, but be careful. It's very deep. You don't want to read 10 or 15 pages. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I tend to wander when I read. So I read three pages a day, and I underline and circle. But it talks about being a carnal Christian, being totally in the flesh, or being a spirit-filled Christian. And to really understand that is, is really deep. But uh, anyway, let's go on. Because God loved us uh, when we were unlovable, we can move towards our spouse as a response to God's love, regardless of uh, you know, reciprocations. And make commitments to do it his way. I honestly think, and I sh we shared this the first week that we were here, that um, we were married in 1977. We came to Christ in 1983, both probably in January of yeah. those years. And um, six years, yeah. So there were six years in between where, uh, and I confessed to you before that honestly, I don't think we would have made it had we not known, followed the Lord. But at that point, we were so desperate, um, not having any um, help from our, our parents not having any examples. Both of us came from dysfunctional families. So at that point, at least for me, I can say, um, John was a workaholic, as he, he admitted. He played basketball all the time, and um, we hung out with his, his buddies and stuff like that. And, um, and I was home with the kids all, all day long. And, um, uh, but anyway, when we finally got to church, I swear, the Lord sat us down. And I tell these to people. The Lord sat two knuckleheads down and said, this is what you got to do. And we said, okay. And that was it. That was the answer for us. We followed what, you know, we got into God's word. We followed exactly what it was supposed, we were supposed to be doing. I told you First Peter 3 was the, the saving grace of our marriage because suddenly it said in there, not by words. I told you that both both John and I were hard-headed, stubborn people, and um, and I thought it was my job to convince them of everything. And when I finally read First Peter three, and it said, "Not by words, but by through your actions," peace came over our home. It was instantaneous. Peace was over our home, and we could all sense it. Because suddenly, I, my focus came off of him, came on to me, and I started doing, behaving, and being the wife that, and mother that God wanted me to be. I was so busy and so consumed with reading in, in the Bible and following what I was reading, and so making sure that I was following it as best I could, to the best of my ability, through prayer and everything, that I didn't worry about John any longer. John was completely up to the Lord. And that is when the Lord said, you need to be home, buddy. It wasn't through me saying, you need to be home. It was the Lord that said, John, you, you need to be home. Yeah, you know, and then I actually fell in love with my kids. <laughs> That's funny, huh? No, really, I fell in love with them. I mean, I actually really loved being with them. It changed. 
And um, instead of going out and, you know, having a good time with my buddies and playing ball and all that stuff, I mean, that was, that was a real passion of mine. And um, I just love taking them places and doing things. Yeah. And, I mean, God just showed us something so different. Mm -hmm. and, and I think you really got to love it, too. It can't just be, I'm going to take my son to this today, and I check the box. It's like, I really like being with this kid. You know, I love, really love being with my daughter. You know, my daughter right now has a daughter, just think about this, her daughter is graduating from college. Her second daughter is graduating from high school. And going to college. Her husband just got a job at Kate Bond, and he's no, moving. No, he's going to White oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, White, White Station. Station. So he's gonna be teaching at White Station, which means their youngest daughter is gonna be going to White Station. Think about the movement that's going on in this family. And Kristen doesn't like change. It's a mess. I mean, we went over there just a few minutes ago to pick up two of the kids and we brought them with us to church. And um, the, the third one was already here. And um, she was just a total mess. And the kids were struggling and because they're all got changes in their life, you know? And uh, so we had to kind of sit down and relax. You, stop, you never stop being a parent, mm -mm. you're right? And, but I love it. Those are the fun things to do with your kids mm -hmm. because now you can pour into them, all right? Because you already built that relationship. So important. Cherishing her, yes, I get it. But boy, I'll tell you, when those kids are right next to us, it's, it was a big deal for us. Mm -hmm. anyway, you, you know, we just want to say that, you know, um, we know not, not every marriage is perfect. None of, them, none of them are. They're all imperfect. And there are some marriages that just aren't going to make it no matter what, you know. But we are living, breathing examples of if you do it God's way, if you have that same determination that he had, it can work. It can work. If you call on the Lord, if you lean on him, if you, you know, commit, and as what we did, we committed to doing it his way, he blesses. He does bless that. He will help, and he I'll will. tell you, we went to every, um, I don't know. Uh, Designed for Successful Living seminar. That was seminar. our first one, and yeah. we just kept going to different seminars and trying to learn how to be a better parent. But here's one thing I want you to remember this, too, and it's important. Head knowledge is fine. You can read your Bible. You can, you can check the box that you read three chapters today or whatever you did. If you don't apply it, if you don't apply it, it's not going to work. Right? Head knowledge is great. I had a guy that, that discipled me, had went to Rutgers, went to, an, I, I think it was Rutgers, Yale. And, and Yale and Princeton, did all of this stuff and, uh, and uh, discipled me. And he was amazing, smartest, one of the smartest guys I ever met. He couldn't apply the Bible to save his life. He couldn't. His kids, oh, I'm just a complete mess. And we would talk to him about it, and he just, he just couldn't and do it. And he knew it. He just so just un really understand when you're when you're reading the Bible like we're reading Hosea right now, when you're reading the Bible, what am I going to apply? How do I apply this to me, to my wife, to my family? Because there's always something God will speak to you. Anyway, you're going to go to the next um, the book of Hosea. Yeah. Anyway, I think it's you know one it's it's head knowledge, two it's commitment. And three is surrender. And it's that determination. That's what we're trying to get out of, uh, of the book of Hosea was God was determined. He was not giving up on his people. 
he was determined that he was going to call even those that weren't his people, his people, and they were going to call him his God. And um, so the book of Hosea offers us hope. That's what we wanted you all to get out of this tonight. Each marriage we've studied are examples of flawed people in flawed marriages, but partnered with an omniscient, all-knowing, omnipotent, all-powerful, merciful God. There's hope. There's hope for every marriage, I'm convinced. Verse 17, let's go back. That's right. And when God showed me that it was my responsibility just to focus on me and leave God to change John, that's when things change. And vice versa, right? I mean, that's, it happens. You know, we told you before, I think, hey, we teach so many classes here and there, but when, when, um, when Sewell asked me to do, in fact, this just happened, right? Tomorrow, let's take the grandkids bowling. I've been busy. Because it's going to rain. I've been busy all week working in the garage and the shed. The shed is now empty, by the way. I'll send you a picture, Tim. <laughs> and uh, it's immaculate. The shed was today's project. The shed was today's project. It's all done and all that. Tomorrow, I figured We're it's, going a, bowling. it's a day of rest. Tomorrow is a day of bowling with the grandkids. <laughs> so she says, I'll pray about it. <laughs> Why don't you pray about it? So we're going bowling, <laughs> all right? I know we need to spend time with the grandkids and that kind of thing, but it's just, that's how we roll now, you know? I mean, it really, I mean, that's how we roll. So, have you, you're am still I, going am, here, am I, I think. I, I don't know if okay. you're finishing or not here. Okay. <laughs> he, is the, he is the one whose pursuit is relentless and who empowers our marriages with a mercy that heals, a love that restores, and a grace that causes your marriage to thrive. Just as you said, it's him. It's all about him. If we will only be willing vessels, if we will only say, have at it, Lord. I've made a mess of things. I understand that. I'm all yours. You know, I'm willing to have this, that second chance. Have at it, Lord. He will do it. He will do it. Because he will always bless faithfulness. He will always bless this. When we finally surrender to him, he says a big hallelujah. Because he's been watching and he's been waiting for you to finally get to that point where you say, have at it. I've made a mess. I can't. I don't even know how to figure this out. He will bless.
Both next to each other, just praying. Hey, I drove six hours today. I did a lot of talking. That's, that's, the, that's how God treats me in the scriptures. You know, it's just like, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not reading this, but it's from the disciples years older. Amen. Well, you know what? That's an incredible segue because here we go, right? The most important part to cherishing your spouse is in the area of, area of prayer. Mm hmm. Prayer for, for and with your spouse daily. So not just for you, but you and your spouse. It's amazing how you just brought that right in. No, nothing speaks greater than to hear your spouse praying over you. So what we'd like to do, all right, this is great. We we'd like you to all up. stand. <laughs> We're going to show you something that we do. you got to go on the other side. Do I have to go on the other side? Okay, yes, we'll do a crossover? Okay. All right, everybody standing up. If you're not with your spouse, pretend you're with your spouse. All right? All right? We, we, you know, we, um, now that the kids are all grown and everything, we, we tend to just make our plates, and we stand at the counter, and we, we, we pray. We're allowed to watch TV now. And we can bring the food if we into the have living dinner, room yeah. if we want to watch the news and all. So... And um, one day we went to pray and the Lord just gave us this picture of what he had been talking about in our relationship. Um, husbands, if you're with next to your wife, I want you to put your arm around her. This arm here, this goes back to um, the, the scripture in 1 Peter 3 and also in, in um, Ephesians 5. But this arm, arm right here offers me protection he holds me tight he'll protect me it also offers me guidance he's going to direct me which is what God calls us to do for women and this is going to be hard because I'm going to speak into yours you hold my thing there right there okay women we come around like this and we are to gird our husbands up we're to support them encourage them (laughs) you know so our arms come along underneath, and we're girding our husbands up, and this is how we pray. And I hope you guys will remember this um, as an example. So this is a normal before dinner. Yeah. All right. Here we are, four in the morning. It could be any time. Yeah. This is how we pray. This is our posture. In fact, if you see us in church on a Sunday morning, a lot of times we're down as when when we're singing, we're actually just like this. this. You yeah. know. We've just kind of got into it. So. But anyway, we wanted to close out our, our time together. Um, well, we're going we're gonna, to gonna have a prayer. Sue's going to pray for the wives, all right? And then I will pray for the men and then our husbands. And then after that, we've got a little fun deal we're going to do. Yeah, we as have a, a little project a group, for you. A little group project we'll finish up with. Okay? Yeah. So as I pray, ladies, would you pray silently with me? And then John is going to take over. And guys, would you pray with John you know, just silently? You ready? Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, oh, thankful! how thankful we are that you love us. In spite of our frailty and imperfections, we are so thankful that you see us whole and perfected through your son, Jesus Christ. Father, 
Oh, come help us be the wives you long for us to be with the qualities written out in your word and will bring you great glory. Help us to be submissive to our own husbands and subordinate ourselves as being secondary and to depending on them and adapting ourselves to them so that even if any of them do not obey your word, they may be won over not by our words but by our actions. Help us, Father, to consistently give our husbands over to your care and focus on walking in a manner that pleases you, Father. Father, may we remember this is a marriage of three persons, and you are constantly here to help us, to respect our husbands, to defer to him, to revere them, to honor, to esteem, to appreciate to prize, and in a human sense, to just absolutely adore our husbands, which is to admire, to praise, to be devoted to, to deeply love them and even enjoy our husbands. Let our focus and main concern not be on merely external adoring with hair and makeup, nor the wearing of jewelry or, or changes of clothes, but let our focus turn inward to the inward beauty of an uncorruptible, incorruptible, unfading charm of a gentle and peaceful spirit, which is not anxious or wrought up, but is very precious in your sight. Okay, men, let's pray. In the same way, Father, help us as husbands to live considerately uh, with our wives, with an intelligent recognition of the marriage relation. May we honor our wives as the physically weaker one, but realize that we are joint heirs of your grace of life, in order that our prayers may not be hindered and cut off. Father, help us to sacrificially love our wives as Christ loved his church and gave him himself up for us. May we always remember that we are one in Christ and that we should love and care for our wives as we do our own bodies. For your word tells us that the, that he who loves his wife loves himself. Thank you, Father, for this time. Thank you for each marriage represented here tonight, that you're, what you're going to do with our marriages in the future. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, have a seat. Amen. Okay, so there's coupons on the uh, table, middle of them. Um, they each get three each. As many as they want. Yeah. We were going to do, we were going to do three each, but then we thought, well, you know, because of the Trinity, but it's like, hey, go for it. If you want to do more than three, go ahead. I got extras up here in case you need them. Yeah. Now this is, there's two catches. We got to catch, we have to give you the instructions here. What were you going to say? Go ahead. Okay. The first thing is, these are coupons. You know, one time, and honestly, John and I do this, but, you know, one time my, my granddaughter, I'll tell you, she, for my birthday, she decided to make coupons for me. And they were like, you can have a sleepover with all the grandchildren, you know, that type of thing, you know. Or you can have us over for dinner on Sunday. She thought of all the things that I would absolutely love. Little did she realize that all of those involved work for me. You know, I wasn't getting off easy. But I, it was just precious because 
And I still have them today. She wrote them out when she was probably like nine years old, but I still have them tucked away in my, my drawer because they were precious to me because they conveyed that she knew what, what I loved. You know, and well, you know, the, the three oldest, um, they're all, you know, college and high school. And um, the, our three oldest grandkids, I gave them coupons. They're in the Christmas tree. And they didn't know that they were there until it was very, after Christmas was over. Everybody opened their gifts. We're all done. And then someone said, hey, there's some envelopes in the tree. And then one said Caitlin, one said Jenna, one said Olivia. And so I said, I think you guys should open them up. And it said, a free detail for your car. That you, was their best gift. You would have thought. I have pictures of those guys <laughs> just jumping up and down because none of them keep their car clean. And it drives me nuts, right? So I figured I'd do that for them. So anyway, we want this to be a blessing to your spouse. We want the, you to think about the things that they appreciate. Um, for, for example, for... John, you all know that he loves to um, work in the yard. And Sue doesn't. And I do not. It is not my forte. So. But I will give him a coupon that says. She would give me a coupon that says, I will work in the I will, yard. He turns it to me, and I have to go out and work in the yard with him. So. Now, I would suggest that you put an expiration date on this. Well, no, there is. All right. I, I had them put an expiration date. They have one year to use it. Oh, valid to 24. It, You're right. You have one That's year perfect. to yeah, turn Tim these had told in. me that. Yeah. You have one year to turn this in. Now, by the way, this can be as sensual as you want it to be. All right? It doesn't have to be working in the yard. In fact, I have several. And those are my best coupons. <laughs> so I want you to think about that, too. They can be as practical or as playful as you like. They can you be as... There you go. So they can be as sensual or as simple. But the two, the two things that we need you to do the most is, one, list the things that speak to your spouse, that you know that they would appreciate, not so much you would appreciate. The guys then, probably all want sensual coupons. And then two, um, two, you have to be willing and committed to fulfill that coupon as soon as it's handed to you. In other words, if you were planning on watching um, the Grizzlies or whatever, you know, and your wife says, it's time to go out and take me out to dinner, you're going out to dinner, you know, that type of thing. So, anyway, any questions? As long as it's not the Celtics. So, anyway, are we good right. with this? All right. So, be anyway, you're not supposed to look at each other's be coupons. Be as clever and as creative as you'd like. Take your time. We've got 15 minutes. And, and try, to be, try to hide them because you, you want to surprise yeah. her later and on. And you want me or to see him because I'm going to be walking around. Yeah. All right. Any questions? Any questions? You all good? Well, thank you so much for a, a great series and a great night tonight. And I hate to break up great conversation. Um, but I just want to tell John and Sue one more time, thank you for what you all help me. Thank John and Sue one more time. They said something a moment ago. They said, hey, one of the most important things is to not only read God's word, but to apply God's word. And I just want to remind you, these four weeks, they've given us not only things to read, but a lot to apply. So please consider applying what they've told us to, to work on with our marriages. Now, let me remind you of this. So next week, we'll have a class in this same room. Let me share what it's about, though. So next week, there's going to be a class in here about empty nesting. 
right here at 6.30. It'll run for three weeks. Downstairs will be a class on grandparenting that'll run for three weeks. And if you say, well, Tim, I'm neither one of those. What do I go and do? Well, again, empty nesting here next week for three weeks, grandparenting downstairs for three weeks. But if that's not either one of you, then you can go to bellevue.org forward slash midweek. So you can just search midweek on Bellevue's website. And on there, there's multiple classes on different aspects of the Christian life. So if grandparenting or nesting doesn't fit where you are, then there's multiple different classes next week to continue going to. Some small ones, some large ones, either way. Um, so anyway, that's, that's next week. Um, also, just to remind you, Sunday morning, there's some great classes that just started brand new. If you're not in a life group, not in a group at all on Sundays, please check one of these out. These are on our bellvue.org forward slash groups page. They just started. John and Sue teach one on empty nesting as well, and that's on Sunday mornings. So, hey, thank you so much for being here and uh, letting fight for your family. Uh, just continue to pour into your marriage. Uh, we're dismissed. God bless you all. Have a great night. Thank you so much. <laughs>